0: So in the tradition of Ajahn Chah, uh, we we have the practice of of not preparing talks. So this is something that Ajahn Chah strongly, very strongly actually recommended to the sangha, the monastic sangha, to not uh, prepare a talk but to speak from the moment. So it's always a bit of an act of faith. (laughs) So I begin with uh, just paying homage to the Buddha, my teacher. Namoetasa Bhagavato Ada Hato Samma Sambudasa Bhagavato Ada Bhagavato Puthang Tamang Sankang Namaste. Well, it's first of all just to say it's it's very lovely to see all of you here, and I'm I'm the visitor, but I get the best view. <laughs> I get to see all of you, and uh, it's it's also very inspiring to see how many people are interested in the practice. And you know, here in the middle of San Francisco, that there are so many people who you know want to spend their Sunday evening sitting in meditation and you know being together and listening to the Dharma. It's, it's very, very beautiful. Uh, in England, our our uh, Buddhist groups are usually you know kind of maybe eight or <laughs> I think maybe 40 is really, really big. So this is it's lovely to see so much interest actually. So as I was sitting in meditation, just kind of a little bit, you know, feeling out, well, what what theme arises here? You know, what, what is it that 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 is kind of coming through, or that might be relevant? What came up was the <laughs> the line, "This perfect moment." So as I was sitting, just this this phrase, "This perfect moment," kept coming up, and. You know, we so often look for the perfect moment for practice or, you know, look for that perfect moment in our life where everything's lovely, you know, everything's great. Our relationships are great. It's a beautiful day. Debts have been paid off, whatever it is, you know. The worries have fallen away. There's nothing to to trouble us. And there may be, you know, here and there, moments like that in our lives. But uh, much of the time, we are challenged. You know, and even just, you know, I noticed just even sitting here, in the meditation, it's a, uh, you know, being a sentient being, it, it's, a, it's a very sensitive experience. You know, we feel. Uh, so there's nothing going on, you know, nothing bad happening and, and uh, nothing to be afraid of or, you know, it's, it's a very, very good place to be in here. And still uh, sitting is quite a strong experience of you know, the, just the, the feelings that arise in the body and, uh, you know, it can be quite unpleasant, so I can sit there feeling, gosh. Being human, you know, it's really difficult. (laughs) It's really hard work being a human being when you're conscious. And I was just thinking how, how, how understandable it is actually to, to want to dull that edge, you know, as many many people do, or probably many of us here have done, you know, dull the edge. Life's when you're really with life, it can be just that little bit too painful, just that little bit too real. And uh, you know, as, as, this, as these thoughts are coming through, there's also this sense of, this is perfect. This is perfect like this, right now, as it is. You know, and you might, you might think that as a Buddhist nun, you know, I, I live in a, a very lovely environment and I don't have to experience the kind of you know, challenges of, of normal life and, Certainly, my challenges are probably different. You know, I don't have to pay a mortgage. I don't have a family. You know, there's, there are many things. I don't have to pay bills, actually. Have many things that are a very good advantage. <laughs> 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 but there are also great challenges living in community life. It's a bit like you know, as you, as when you're born into a family, you don't choose who you're with. It's pretty similar living in a community. You know. you, you, we're all drawn to that monastery or our our particular monasteries because of a a common interest in in dharma and we all bring our luggage with us (laughs) and it doesn't just fall away when you shave your head (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) so it's you know it can be quite a workout at times and we also have a hierarchy we have a hierarchical system within our monastery so that's that's uh, that's a really interesting tool (laughs) And that brings up, you know, it can be quite a rub. It brings up resistance, fear, resentment. Uh, It can can bring up, you know, power issues. There's all kinds of stuff that the the form itself can bring up. And and this isn't wrong. It's not that it's not meant to happen. Because the, the path is actually asking us to be very, very honest and to look at what is here. What is here that needs to be cleared out and understood? in order to fully open to this perfect moment. So, this moment is always perfect. <laughs> it's, it's never anything but that. And our hearts, you know, become clouded and confused. We, you know, we we want more than we can have. We want people we love to be happy and you know, living a, a good life and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're on a path of self-destruction. And that's painful. You know. So you know, we, there, are, there are some things we can do but it, ultimately we can't change another person's life. We can you know, work at changing our own life, <laughs> that's hard enough. But we can't change another person's life. Except you know we can. I want to be very clear that I'm not saying don't, don't do good, don't try to benefit others. I don't mean that, but I mean when you put out something good into the world, just put it out with an open hand, and don't have that string attached that says, you know, I'm doing this for you, and I want you to, even if it's just saying, and I want you to be happy, you know, and I want you to be free, because. We can't make that happen. And, and as I was just saying, actually, in the break, I, I, some years ago, I was having a, a very difficult um, family situation. There was a very, very painful family dynamic going on, and really strong wish to change it and wanting to make things different and. And I, I, I visited. I was a nun at the time, and still already. And I visited my my family, and then I a particular member, and then I came into retreat. And we have three months of silent retreat in our monasteries in England. So I went straight from this quite painful and you know evocative kind of um, situation, and in, into into silent retreat. And I remember in in while Ajahn Samedo was teaching, he gave this reflection about. You know, how, how much we want to change others, we want to make the world perfect. But he's saying that you can't make anyone else enlightened. And you can't even make anyone else a little bit less selfish. <laughs> when he said that, I thought, gosh, that's really true, you know. You can't actually make anyone else even a little bit less selfish. But you can make yourself a little bit less selfish. <laughs> you can, you know, let go around your own wanting this is what we can do and that in itself you know when you really turn towards that feeling of wanting i want i want it to be different i want it to be better i want it to go away you know when we really turn to that feeling of wanting it's painful it, it's painful so you know the practice is pointing us back to ourselves back to that place of I want this, I want to have more of this I want it to be different to how it is or I want to get rid of that I don't want those people around me I don't want to have to deal with this situation the practice is pointing us back to that place where we're moving out of, of presence with what is happening now and into an idea of how it, we feel it should be so this um, this is a very dynamic place. this isn't a passive lying back and letting life roll over you kind of a place at all that's uh, that's what we do when we when we don't want to look you know go to sleep, eat, watch the TV, take some drugs, whatever it is don't want to be present with this, but this is actually a very dynamic present active. Process of, of turning back and being with this feeling that is that is present here, and n- and seeing the movement that that comes from that feeling. So as long as we're not really being present with the feeling here in our own mind, and I, when I say mind, I point to the heart area because it's this mind that I'm speaking about. As long as we're not really really present with the mind, then we're just we're like. Um, in a way, we're like slaves to our feelings and moods and we're, we're reacting to this and that, you know. And uh, you know, when, we're, when we're not really present, we're just, it's like we're just caught. And that, that movement, f- I mean, it's, you know, it can be quite subtle, but that movement away from what we don't like and towards what we like it's in, the, in that moment and I'm not saying that we can't enjoy life and we, we have to just endure all of lots of terrible things we use wisdom and discernment and intuition also but, it's, but just to really be, be clear and, and start to get really clear of that, that movement away from what we don't like fear and recoiling or wanting to attack or wanting to have and have more and have it for longer and just to really get familiar with that that, that experience directly because when we're really with that then we have a choice then we have a choice to say I really want that and it's a good thing so I'm going to go in that direction we can do that or we can say I really want that and recognise my wanting it is going to destroy it the very wanting it is going to destroy it so just release the grip and you know, come back to the feeling. And sometimes, you know, we we can feel that that's not enough. You know, it can seem too simple. And you can, if you if you're if you've stu- if you study the Buddha's teachings, they're you know, they're very extensive and subtle and complete. And, uh, you know, you may feel like, oh, that's just, it's too simple, you know. And, and want to go in a different direction, want to learn more, want to do do this, do that. You know, practice, develop different practices. It's, it's good, it's good to develop the mind, develop different practices. But the, the essence of the, let's say that the key to release is, is being fully present with that, with the feeling as it arises. And knowing it and acting from a place of knowing rather than from a reaction, so you know this this can this is, it is quite a subtle practice, or it can be quite a subtle practice. it can go to a very subtle level, or it can be quite gross, you know <laughs> I'm not going to hit that person because I know that that's going to have bad consequences, you know, it can be as, as basic as that. And that's that's also why the, the Buddha offered the five precepts as a as a as a kind of a, a boundary within which to live our lives. And I, I I like to speak about the precepts because I find them uh, a very simple and kind of pragmatic um, support really for the practice. And you know I know that a lot of people are not they don't. They're not. maybe if you've had too much uh, been brought up that you know, if, if you're bad you're going to go to hell and, you know, pe- that's a lot of people are attracted to Buddhism because we don't have that kind of thing <laughs> but still we do have the, the, the framework of let's call it virtue the framework of virtue that we can, we can live within a framework of virtue and that's not to say that we always manage to do it Unfortunately, the Buddha doesn't, says, you know, he doesn't um, say that if you, you know, if you break any of those precepts, then that's it. You know, you've had it. There's always, there's always a chance to come back. There's always, it's always a learning. It's always a learning and a practice, and an understanding. You know, so just in case anyone isn't familiar with the, the five precepts, the the first precept is the the precept of harmlessness. So to undertake the precepts to refrain from intentionally harming any living being. What a beautiful thing to live by. And sometimes it's not easy, you know. And even in a monastery, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I once, <laughs> to confess, when I was a novice, I once had to lock myself in the bathroom <laughs> because I was so angry. <laughs> I thought, if I don't lock myself in the bathroom, I'm going <laughs> to I'm, I'm going to, you know, be violent. <laughs> to that person so, so I locked myself in the bathroom because I knew that's what I needed to do and I, and I acted it out in the bathroom and I let it out in the air and then it was passed, ah that's good that's passed and then I could go down and you know there was no problem I didn't make that enormous karma that I would have made if I hadn't locked myself in the bathroom <laughs> so you know sometimes it's like that Sometimes it, it, we have to be very honest about where we are in any given moment, you know, and and act accordingly. So so the first precept is, not, is, is not, not to intentionally harm any living being. And the second precept is to refrain from taking what is not given. So it's basically not stealing on a gross level, not taking from others what doesn't belong to you. And, you know, when, when, you, when you practice awareness and you develop a sense of presence and mindfulness, you know, increasingly that sense of there's something out there that is going to make me happy if I have it here becomes kind of increasingly meaningless, right, actually. And, of course, we do it again and again, you know. We do it again and again. But we know when we're practicing, we know that it doesn't actually do it for us. So you know, the the precept of not taking what is not given. And I feel actually at this time, also in, in the Western world and at the time we're in now, it's very important to start to to learn about renunciation, you know, start to develop a sense of, renun- of conscious renunciation. So not just, you know, I, I, I'm poor and I haven't got what those people up there have got, so I'm, I'm renouncing. That, that isn't really renunciation. That's kind of circumstantial. Mm-hmm. But to choose to give something up because perhaps the planet can't actually quite manage to keep up with our lifestyle, you know. This is something we can do that's that's beautiful. And it doesn't always feel that nice, you know. It can be a bit of a wrench, but it's it's a good thing to do. So... I feel that that's something that we, can, we, you know, something that we can all do now at this time. It's important for us to do. And it can be, it can be in little things. You, know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go to an extreme, but just being conscious of what does it cost for me to live like this, at this in this standard? And can I make it a little bit simpler? And I'm not talking about your bankroll, but the, in terms of the resources on this planet Earth, this limited planet Earth. So I think that's very important, and it's like the other side of that precept. It's the the most. It's like the generous and beautiful side of that precept. And the third precept is to um, to. How does it go? To uh, refrain from sexual misconduct. That's how it's it's put. There's always a sense in the in the English of this that it sounds a little bit moralistic. And, uh, but actually, what that's saying is, you know, use your sexual energy in a way that is respectful to yourself and others. So don't exploit another, don't take from. You know, you can, it's, again, it can be an act of generosity and love, not uh, gratif- just not simply gratification. You know. And also to respect other people's relationships, not to. You know, break up other people's relationships or, expl- you know, abuse other people or oneself also. So it's respecting oneself and others. And, you know, if everybody lived by this in the world, it would be a very different place. And probably, I imagine, you know, there are many people in the room who have had, um, you know, big. Painful experiences in their life because of being exploited or exploiting others or being too lost in in, in, in lust basically so this is a this is like a a reminder because this the sexual drive is very strong and it's like our animal body it's very strong, and so it 's like a reminder use this in a way that's that's skillful you know and that that it enhances the path, let's say. That is part of the path. And the fourth precept is the, is the precept of, refraining from false or harmful speech. So the the actual word in, in Pali is false speech. So it's particularly pointing to you know not lying. And again this this you know you might think oh you know, I grew up being told you shouldn't lie, you're very bad, and your hair will all fall out. <laughs> 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 or something, <laughs> but uh, actually, this is about this. Is, again, it's about being awake and present, and having a mind that can be open. So, when we start to lie, when we're lying, we're you know we're, we're we're covering something. We're covering part ourselves up. We're we're not disclosing part of ourselves. And you know, once we do that, we have to keep doing it. You've got to keep the stories going. You know, you've got to you got to hide a little bit more. You end up with enormous cupboards full of skeletons, you know, to come home to. <coughs> and even if nobody else knows you're doing it, you know, you you know. <laughs> so, you know, for those of us who actually are interested in, in awakening, this uh, false speech or lying is is taking us in the opposite direction. So you know, think about it, and and harmful speech. You know, there, sometimes speech needs to be strong and and hard. There is tough love. You know, it can be useful. But you know, this isn't this isn't with an, with a harmful intention. This is this is okay to do this if you see somebody doing something very foolish, you know, a friend, and then you want to really make it clear that they've got to you know, you want them to see what they're doing and you believe that they have the possibility of doing so, then strong speech is, is fine. can be very compassionate. But, uh, you know, harsh speech just for the sake of being, just because you can't be bothered not to be, just because you feel a bit angry today, and so you want to just dump it on that person because it's easier than being with the feeling of anger. This is not kind of the path. So again it's coming back to this feeling of you know, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to be with this irritation here? So instead of giving it to someone else so generously, <laughs> we keep it for ourselves and work with it. And I can assure you people will really appreciate that. <laughs> so to refrain from harsh, or false or harsh speech, harmful speech. And also gossiping, backbiting, you know. We can create people through speaking about them in a particular way again and again and again. And it's easy to, you know, when somebody's somebody's difficult and irritable, irritating or whatever, it's easy to keep creating them. But, you know, when we do that, we don't allow them the possibility to change. We meet them as that person that we spoke to last week, you know. So... Uh, you know, just give people the possibility to change. And the fifth fifth precept, which I think is one of the difficult ones for many people, is to refrain from using intoxicating drugs or alcohol. And you know this, the the first four precepts they these are like these are ethical precepts. The first four they're about living in an ethical way. And the fifth is like a protector of those four, so it's not to say that it's ethically wrong to you know have a glass of wine. It isn't, but it's like you know cultivating a mind that is clear and awake and present you know the drugs and alcohol <laughs> change that consciousness so when I, in my, in my lay life, I used to, I was quite a heavy drinker actually when I was a young woman. I used to drink quite heavily and uh, also kind of experimented with drugs and so on, you know. I had, I had a very um, keen interest to take the edge off life in any way I could, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, so I, I could dr- actually put away quite a, a lot of alcohol <laughs> without, <laughs> without getting too kind of out of it uh, after some years of practice and, <laughs> and then now I've been in the, in the monastery for 18 years So and we don't touch alcohol you know, we, don't, we don't use alcohol at all but about, maybe I'm not exactly sure and I apologise to my sister, but two or three years ago my sister got married and she's the first one we have four kids and she's the first one to get married and uh, sh- so at her wedding I thought you know, we were each given a glass of bubbly to toast her wedding and I thought well you know it's it's my sister's wedding you know so I should just take a sip just take a sip out of just to wish her well and I wish them well her and her husband so I literally just took a little sip you know it wasn't much at all I didn't slug it down (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it was interesting to see just that little sip affected my mind it was amazing It was like Immediately, the, start, the body starts to feel kind of a little bit loose, and mm-hmm. the mind is different. You know, it's amazing. So, you know, just to just to be aware that that's that's what that's what it does. You know, <laughs> and um, you know, we're on we're on a path of. Oh, if you don't, you might not be, but potentially, we are on a path of awakening the mind. You know, and and opening to this as it is, as it is. And uh, I'm sure everyone has experienced moments where you know, the sense of self drops away and the worries drop away and the planning drops away. And there's just this perfect moment for a moment or two. I'm sure everyone's experienced that. And this is present all the time. <laughs> that perfect moment is present all the time. So, when we stop uh, adding to it, you know, with our, our wanting and not wanting, then everything we could ever have wished for is, is right here. And everything that we could, and more, everything that we could ever have wanted to be, and more, <laughs> is right here, because we, we, are all of, we become all of it. so the practice of mindfulness is is a, a powerful and wonderful tool and it takes time and effort and practice and perseverance to develop skill with that and you know sometimes what we are being present and mindful with is not going to be easy, you know, to to stay with. That's, that's how it goes. But that, that's, there's nothing that, you know, if, if you're, even if you're in a very difficult situation and you're having to just really endure that and really work with not, you know, doing some very unskillful thing, that in itself is developing spiritual qualities, you know, you're developing strength of mind and patience, perseverance, faith or confidence, you know, those qualities are being developed while you're working with this, this challenging situation. So, you know, this is, this is also, you know, it's important to, to remember to look because we can be very, very hard judges on ourselves and we can hold up an ideal of what we should be and how we should be. And, you know, or inevitably we're not like that. <laughs> but we forget to look, what's going on here, you know? what What, what, is, being, what is being cultivated now? Patience. Kindness. Not harming. And you know, it can be as simple as that. Not, I, I, Right now, I am not harming that person over there. That's a, that's, a, that's a wholesome quality. Right now, I'm not speaking from this anger that is present in me. That is a wholesome quality. <coughs> so remember to, you know, to come back and look at what is going on here, because it's rich, actually. And also, I wanted to, to say a little bit about t- distraction. Because while we were sitting, you know there's we're, we're in the middle of the city it's, it's amazing that people can sit like this in the middle of the city, so, so <laughs> it's a wonderful thing and I, I guess behind me here is the street, i'm assuming, and uh, so as I was sitting i, I don 't know if you can hear it so well over there, but I could hear kind of, kind of a loud grating sound going on and and, uh, and the first thing, I first think I was at the mic, you know what's that, and, uh, and that was behind me. And, and then it's happening again and then I can see my mind starting to think well what is that, what's that sound is somebody moving or something or other you know, the mind starts to go there and then I realise, oh look, you know here's an opportunity for practice Because, and I don't mean I'm going to practice being patient with that and sound but like just recognising the mind goes out and, it's, and it wants to create something it wants to put a picture to that sound and maybe a person to that sound and maybe a little story as to why that's happening, you know. so the mind goes out and wants to do that, wants to do that. And actually, what's happening is there is a sound. That's all. There's a sound, there's a vibration, and a sound being experienced. And oh, I can come back to that. You know. So, you know, when we're when we develop a practice that is uh, dependent on particular conditions. You know, we can, it can be very very good to, for, for periods of time. I mean, I do very much recommend having retreat times, kind of programming that into your life, if you can, here and there. But, you know, our practice has to be relevant in everything, really. So, you know, in the, in the way of practice that I've been taught in the, in the forest tradition... It is about, in a, in a way, it's about being being mindfulness, being the mind. And when I say being the mind, I'm not talking about the thinking mind, the little mind up here. I'm talking about the the experiential mind. So as I sit here now, certainly my mind is as big as this room, or my heart, I could say, is as big as this room. And it's going out there too. <laughs> There's there's a bit of that street in there too, and if um, you know, potentially I, potentially it could be you know the entire universe, but it, that isn't my experience right now. It is it is this room. So the mind is the you know the field of awareness, and and what is happening within that field is fine. It, it is it is what it is, and we make more of it you know, we add on to that make stories so the, you know, as we, as if you develop this practice of mindfulness with this whatever this might be you know, this, is a, this, is a, this is what we call a refuge this is what Ajahn Chah calls our true home we come back to our true home which is here which is the mind that is open and present to, to what's, what's happening now And when we're caught in thinking, planning, remembering, hoping, wanting, not wanting, all of those things that we do most of the time, it's like we've left our true home. We've forgotten. It's always here, actually, but we've forgotten to be here. (laughs) And we've moved out of of presence. And as soon as we remember and recognize what we're doing, then we're back. Then we're home again. So it's you know we don't have to control all of the the conditions. We don't even have to control the mind states that arise, but we do you know we it, it's beneficial to control one's response to them. So this is a you know when you develop this this is a great freedom. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a strong and broad practice it is not asking that you know things are quiet people aren't irritating me the you know whatever whatever your particular story might be you know it's not asking that things are different to how they are but it's it's being the mind that is greater than than any of it okay so I'd like to offer that for your reflection this evening. We'll do a of and yeah, then I'll, yeah. I'll just mention something about dial afterwards. Okay. It's, it's eight forty one, so yeah, been? maybe do some question and answer is Yeah, okay? why not? So it's it's just about twenty to nine now. So I think if the, for about ten minutes, if, if anybody's, if anyone has any questions in regard to what I've been saying, we have about ten minutes where we can dialogue a bit. Thank you. Can you say something about how, when you have to plan, and think very industriously, very busily, um, you know, your life, your job requires yeah. that? How to do that and yet stay present mm-hmm. and mindful and mm-hmm. have the right perspective on that? Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's a very important question. How to stay mindful and present while you know in a situation where you have to plan and be uh, you know, think about think ahead because we all do actually, even we do. <laughs> so um, yes yeah, it's it's, it's um, I would say it's a, it's a way of holding. It's a way of holding what you're doing. So, if you're if you're very much not present while you're planning, then likelihood the plans are going to be pretty screwy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, being mindful while you plan is is a good plan. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and I'd say that the 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 attitude to bring to that is you make plans and you you direct life or the situation in a particular direction and you hold it I I like to say like in an open palm. So you're not holding it in a a grip like that. You're not uh, totally invested in what the outcome's going to be. But you use your wisdom really to say okay you know we want to go in this direction, we're looking for this result so if we do this this and this then That's going in the right direction, but we can't really know what the result's going to be, because life isn't like that. It doesn't really work according to plans, really. So, you know, like for example, we have this. You know, we have this. uh, This is what we do. You know, we're in we're in a monastery. We're in a little vihara, and we do this every week. And uh, that's and and the plan is that we're there for so many months, and then. Whatever, and who knows, you know? There could be an earthquake tomorrow and, and the, whole, the whole house breaks down and we fall through the gaps, you know? Who knows? But it's it would be foolish to live in a way that we just say, well, I won't, I won't do anything because it might all fall apart. So it's really about learning to hold life with, with an open palm, with an open hand. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like not. Yeah. When I am very busy, yeah. I'm not practicing. there are two separate worlds. Uh-huh. Um, and I am trying to bring them together, but it's a challenge. Okay. So I, I would suggest I mean I don't know because you know you're living your life, but I would suggest that you're you're there's a certain place that you're not looking carefully enough. Because if you're if you have a job which requires that degree of Clarity of mind, let's say, to do that, there must be mindfulness operating. There must be, and you know, mindfulness. I, I, this is also something that, you know, there are there are different, like for example, there's the Burmese technique of of practicing meditation where you walk very very slowly. You're 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 conscious of every movement of the breath, every intention that arises, and everything slowed down. So that's that's one way of practicing, but. Mindfulness doesn't require that it's it's a, it's a way, but mindfulness you know it can, it can be in, in a very fast in fact it can be more present in a very fast urgent situation so i mean also i mean in terms of because one right livelihood is also one of the steps of the path so if your work is you know, if, if your work is basically kind of causing harm to others then I would really recommend finding another job because <laughs> I'm serious about that because and I know it's not easy to find <laughs> but you know this is our life this is our life you know and it's precious and we 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 don't need to be wasting it doing things that harm others you know so if you're doing, if, if I mean I've no idea if it is, but if that is the case that the, the the job is just a job to make money to pay the bills and and it's kind of basically a bit kind of dodgy. It's kind of the opposite of that. Oh. Um, but, uh, so then you, I mean, missing, then you are missing, then you are missing something. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay for things to be hectic and busy. So that's great. So you then then come back to that. You know, re, like come back to the fact that this is. Part of the path, the fact that I'm doing, uh, they have a right livelihood. This is wholesome, you know. So each day when you go to work, you can know that you're going into a, a job that's wholesome and benefiting others. I mean that's great. And if you just bring that to mind in the car on your the way there or whatever, just bring that to mind before you start, and then maybe on the way home or when you get home, recollect that. Even if it's just that, because it is very, very important. We do again and again miss, you know, the, the goodness that we are manifesting, because we sort of take it for granted. So, I would just keep doing that and don't, it's alright to be busy. You know, it's okay. Thank you that you're doing something good. <coughs> well, seriously. So, is there another one more question? Thank you. I do, yeah. Ooh, very painful. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what, you're s- what comes to my mind when you say that is is narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> that's the words that pop into my And that's uh, it's something I'm also... F- I've lived with people who have that, and it is very, very, very difficult and crazy, actually. And... Um, the the kindest, even though it's not usually appreciated, the kindest thing you can do to somebody who has that tendency, they kind of are a two-year-old. It's like they they are that two-year-old that they were, who was who was not heard or having a tantrum or whatever in, at that moment, and the the kindest thing you can do is to make very clear boundaries, and it's not easy, and it's kind of ongoing, but uh, that's that's it, and and you know. It, it might be, and it might not be, but it might be that, th- that those tantrums lessen the more clear the boundaries get. I wish you well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so it's ten to nine now, so I think I'll pass over to you. Or oh, we do a little, little, yeah, showing of blessings, so that's nice. So, you have, do you have a particular way you do it here? Because we have our chant. Okay. So it's, it's nice that you also have the tradition of, of you know, recollecting. Like I've been saying, and you know, recollecting the goodness of your practice, and sharing that with others. And of course, you know, we can't share anything if we don't cultivate anything. So, you know, just really, Let's for a few moments, just come sit, just come in. And just recollect, over this day, today, any merits or blessings that we might have, that might have come to us through our practice. In any way, and there are many, many ways. So really bringing to heart and mind the the merits or the blessings of your practice. We have a a chant that we do each evening in the monastery which some of you might know, I don't know. So I'm going to chant and please if you know it, chant along. And if you don't, just align your heart and consciously share the blessings of your practice with all beings, all beings, including yourself. And if you feel, I, I remember at one time feeling like, but I haven't got enough to share, you know, there's nothing much here and I don't want to give away what i got because there's not enough to (laughs) go around already. (laughs) But don't worry about that because it's just the very act of giving is in itself generating goodness. So, no problem. (coughs) Now let us chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, may my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, May all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain their threefold bliss and realise the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor, May the forces of delusion not take hold nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge, (coughs) unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble lord, the Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled. Thank you for welcoming me. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.